Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste 360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Bothwell from Waste360 with Dr. Jay Fitzgerald, Chief Scientist from the Department of Energy's Bioenergy Technologies Office. Hi, Jay. Welcome and thanks for being on the show. Hi, Liz. Really pleased to be here to talk with you today. I'm really curious about your department. Can you talk a little bit about what your office does and your role there? Sure. Yeah, the Department of Energy um, has a lot of different missions. I'm a part of the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Office within the Department of Energy, and that's kind of the applied uh, research and development arm for uh, the department. Um, so we focus on all sorts of different renewable energy technologies and energy efficiency technologies. Um, the specific sort of sub-office that I'm in is the, the Bioenergy Technologies Office, and in that office we're really hoping to uh, make both things like advanced biofuels as well as uh, biomaterials uh, from the nation's sustainable biomass resources. Great. Okay. And I know the Department of Energy recently announced some $13.4 million in funding for plastics technology, and the hope is to reduce energy consumption and carbon emissions of single-use plastic. Can you dig a little bit into that and, and tell me more on what it means and what the funding will go toward? Sure, yeah, the announcement that was just made was part of our broader push on sort of looking at plastics from an energy perspective and technology perspective and trying to see if we can tackle some of the challenges that the recycling industry faces around materials you know, being recyclable and also making sure that when they're actually uh, recycled, they're done so in an efficient and energy and carbon efficient manner. And so the funding opportunity announcement that was just made was focused on single use plastic recycling and upcycling. And so we really targeted things like single-use films, other types of flexible packaging, and those are among the most or the least efficiently recycled types of packaging that are consumer facing. And so we thought giving sort of an in-depth look at that with this funding and looking at some new technologies built on how you can recycle mixed plastic waste in an efficient manner that comes from those sources and also how you can redesign those plastics to be more recyclable at their end of life would be a really great way to kind of help that segment of the plastic sector you know have more options um, for the end of life materials and and this effort is part of a broader sort of yeah like i said doe plastics uh, push where we have um, several different types of national lab-led consortia um, and efforts across basic science from our Office of Science, ARPA-E, sort of a, a transformational R&D arm, and our efforts within EERE, that sort of applied energy office. Got it. Okay. And do you think this work will have a big impact on the United States goal to reach net zero carbon by 2050? Yeah. So we, we at the Department of Energy really look at the plastics recycling challenge from an energy perspective. And plastics are energy intensive, both from a greenhouse gas emissions point of view. Uh, they represent about uh, two to three percent of U.S. emissions. And then in addition, they're also important from kind of a, a petroleum use standpoint where we world plastic consumption or world plastic production consumes about six percent of, of oil. 
and natural gas type type of resources. And so we're hoping to uh, design more efficient plastics for uh, the future that really help to improve the energy efficiency of plastics overall and build those plastics out from renewable resources like biomass so that we can have kind of a more circular life cycle for plastics. That makes sense. And so are you thinking about compostable or um, biodegradable? What, what comes to mind? Yeah, so the the great thing about using bio-based and waste feedstocks to make plastics is that you can design those new plastics to be uh, more recyclable at their end of life, so to fit really easily into current recycling infrastructure or maybe into envisioned future recycling infrastructure um, and be able to be broken down efficiently, either chemically or, or biologically, um, and be able to be made into new plastics, retaining a lot of the carbon and a lot of the energy that was in the recycled plastics to begin with. And so that's one strategy that we're pursuing really highly because that has kind of the best um, energy implications when you can keep that material in circulation and really utilize that embodied energy that's in this really energy risk rich plastics resource that we have. We're also looking um, on the other side at things like you mentioned, like biodegradable plastics. We think that biodegradable plastics are great in certain applications, maybe where they're really hard to separate from waste that we know is going to end up either in, in a landfill or um, in other environmental circumstances. And so we're, we're hoping for those cases to be able to make biodegradable plastics so that if things do escape the collection infrastructure, um, that they can biodegrade on their own and they're not left um, you know, in, in their current form, you know, just in the environment for years to come. Oh, that's great. And I love that you're constantly thinking about the end of life of these materials. Are you guys proactively working with any recyclers or anyone else to kind of test the materials once you get to that point? Yeah, that's a great question. We had um, a workshop back in 2019, which seems like a long time ago now, um, December of 2019, <laughs> where we brought together uh, folks from a lot of different recycling types of places like material recovery facilities and secondary MRFs and, and others to, to look at what would happen or really what the requirements were for end-of-life materials to be compatible with um, today's current infrastructure. A lot of what we heard in, the, in that workshop was really that, you know, MRFs are set up to take really certain types of plastics and do a great job at efficiently getting those into new materials, and they're less well set up to take, you know, kind of harder to recycle plastics. And so one thing that we're targeting with our programs at the Department of Energy is to be able to get more types of plastic into that kind of easy to recycle category so that hopefully MRFs can implement some new technologies and really be able to recover greater value from the plastic streams that they're already collecting. Oh, that's great to hear. Good. And I love that you had a workshop uh, pre-pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was one of the last one of the last workshops that we, we could have before that all happened. It's great to just hear feedback in person from folks and listen to the challenges that they're having and then you know, try to, to help with the funding that we're able to provide as the Department of Energy to really overcome those problems that the folks in industry are finding to be the most challenging. Absolutely. And I mean, speaking of the pandemic, uh, we all know single-use plastic usage skyrocketed. Is that part of what made plastic such a priority at the Department of Energy? Yeah, I think that, that that's definitely helped to play a role. And I think there's just been increasing visibility on the problem over the last several years as well. And that um, has helped kind of spur the efforts that we'd had in plastics um, previously 
into kind of a, a new and more concentrated effort. And so I, I can go back a little bit in the history of DOE's research in this space and the Bioenergy Office in particular had for many years been funding things like redesigned plastics from biomass. That's sort of a, a great way to pull biomass through in a, in a really valuable way into a final product and be able to you know, create potentially a performance advantage plastic that has better properties than the plastics that are on the market today. And so we've been able to, to run funding opportunities for, for several years around um, that space. But in 2019 and then into 2020, following that workshop, there was really a surge in interest across the whole department. And so we formed something called the Plastics Innovation Challenge, which uh, really looked at coordinating R&D efforts across the department. And we actually released a strategy um, last January uh, that outlined um, kind of the, the different roles of the various offices within the department to tackle the plastics waste problem and helped us to stay super coordinated. Um, one of our pr primary efforts within EERE, the, the kind of applied research arm, is really around uh, the this effort called the Bottle Consortium, which is, which is really aimed at looking at today's plastics, tomorrow's plastics, and, and how we might redesign plastics to be better at end of life. And that's a, a national laboratory-led consortium. Oh, interesting. Okay, thank you for that background. Sure, definitely. And I know a lot of, you know, that new funding that we were talking about with that latest announcement is going toward films and flexibles. And then I know those things have been historically hard to handle, right? I think like, fewer than 4% or something was returned with sort of the return back programs. So your hope is to rework that material. So by the time it even gets to a customer, it's it, it's taken a lot of energy out of it already. And it's sort of, you know, that, that recycled content for lack of a better word, right? Yeah, we're, we're really focused with these projects on trying to improve the quality of the material that can come sort of out the other side of a recycling process. So a lot of the films that are able to be recycled today are, are usually downcycled into a material that doesn't have, you know, the same properties as the film that went in. And although that although that's great, and I think that there's there's definitely going to be a role for those types of technologies, the technologies we're really targeting with this funding opportunity look at how we can um, mostly chemically, but also biologically, take those those types of film materials and make them into something of, of similar quality to the material that went in. So you might be able to break them back down into their molecular pieces and sort of then build those back up into, uh, you know, a really valuable plastic. And then on the other side of the funding opportunity, what we're hoping to do is look at things like single-use films, but also multi-layer films, which are uh, again, among the, the hardest things to recycle now and looking at be able to redesign plastics that meet all of the same or better properties than the current multi-layer films, um, but to do so in a way where we've we've designed those for recycling um, at the end of life from the very beginning. And so you can look at different types of, of multi-layer materials that are made out of, say, the same polymer building blocks so that at the end of life when those are broken down, you can you can really get a, a high quality stream out the out of the other end instead of the way that they're they're kind of traditionally made today, which is from a, a variety of, of really different materials that are all kind of sandwiched together. Oh, OK, gotcha. And I mean, the world is paying such attention to plastics these days, right? And 
what do you think about this additional attention and exposure? Do you think it's helping build solutions around plastics? I do. I mean, I think that this has been a problem that consumers have shown increased interest into. And because of that, I think a lot of the plastics producers and, and brands have really looked at how their packaging might be better able to you know, be more efficiently recycled at, at end of life. Um, and so there's a lot of interest from um, companies in our in our latest funding opportunity. Almost all of the projects that we have are partnered with at least one either plastics producer or recycler or a brand that is hoping to that is looking for sort of a sustainable plastic solution. And so that's how we hope that this kind of applied R&D that we're doing funded by the Department of Energy is really then able to make it out into industry effectively because there's someone sort of trying to pull that research through for a really specific need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that's great. And then what do you think about people who really vilify plastics? I mean, it is infinitely recyclable to a certain degree, right? Um, but what do you think about people who say no plastics whatsoever? Yeah, plastics are, are a really challenging issue. I, I think, you know, there are good alternatives to plastics in some cases. And I think that the Environmental Protection Agency has outlined a lot of potential replacements for plastics in certain applications that might have good, you know, where there are good substitutes available. I think part of the issue with eliminating plastics altogether is that plastics are a super efficient way to achieve certain properties or certain packaging types of applications in terms of carbon efficiency and greenhouse gas emissions. They're really lightweight. They can help to um, make our, our food last longer. And so there are a lot of really good, good energy implications of plastics where if we you know, completely did away with them, we would be in a situation that you know, we're actually expending more energy to do sort of the same functions. And so I think we need to strike a balance between using plastics where, where they're needed and, and using good alternatives where they exist. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to explain that. And then what do you think of some of the policy that's on the horizon? I know the, the talk of the Global Plastics Treaty is there and, and uh, among other things. Do you think that helps this effort? Yeah, so Department of Energy is inherently not a not a policy office. We're really a technology providing um, organization where we, you know, try to make sure that that technologies are available, you know, if there's sufficient incentive to to implement them. But I do think that these, you know, the the larger you know UN efforts and sort of the governments around the world taking more notice of this problem will certainly help those types of solutions be implemented in in a really effective way. Good. Well, that's good to hear. And I love that your organization is so innovation focused and tech focused. So what else are you excited to be working on? It seems like you have a lot in the hopper. <laughs> we we do. I'm really excited about all of the, the plastics um, work that we have at, at DOE. I think that we're, you know, tackling some of the really hard problems here. And I, I think that's a great role for um, government funding to be able to do is, is look um, you know, look ahead and try to come up with some some innovative solutions to these these types of problems. And I'm really excited about a lot of the work that our bottle consortium that I that I mentioned earlier are doing. They're coming up with some some really novel technologies, uh, both in the recycling space. So looking at things like enzymes that can break plastics down and do so in a way where you don't even need to use things like high temperatures to be able to get plastics back into their sort of building block form and then be able to build those back up. So solutions that really aren't out there today, but that I think are 
really necessary to explore if we want to tackle this problem in a way where we're going to end up at the most efficient solution from an energy perspective. And that, and that bottle consortium is also looking at really strongly at things like redesigning materials and again, how you can make a material from the outset where you know it's going to be able to be recyclable through a known technology kind of at its end of life. And uh, I think that that brand owners and companies are really interested in that as well and, and rethinking how the system works from that endpoint in mind of making sure that everything has, has a home at end of life. And again, so grateful you're thinking of the end of life. And I know you you talked about chemically breaking things down. I, there's a whole group of people who are against chemical recycling because they actually say it requires more energy and it's not taken into account, but you would be a great person to speak about that. Yeah, I mean, as, as with all these technologies, there's you know a really broad range. Chemical recycling covers everything from approaches that use, use things like enzymes, which are inherently really low temperature because they're they're biological and they have to function in the natural world, um, all the way through to things uh, like pyrolysis or gasification, which are much more energy intensive um, processes, which um, are efficient at breaking plastics down, but again, require a lot more energy. What we've tried to do in the Department of Energy for our funding opportunities, at least within um, the supplied research office, is really focus on kind of metrics and goals around energy efficiency, around carbon efficiency, and around greenhouse gas emissions, and be kind of agnostic in terms of the technology that can achieve those, but really focus on the outcomes that we want, and then let um, folks who are proposing these different solutions sort of do do the um, homework and, and sort of justify their solution in terms of those metrics. And so we try to not, you know, exclude any particular technologies, but really just tell, tell folks what we want, the end process to look like and let them achieve that, you know, sort of through whatever technology they feel is best to do so. That makes sense. And then I know you talked a little bit about renewables. Is, the, is there a push to really take what you're doing here and, and not just, you know, cut the energy in the front end, but also use what you're doing for the renewables at the end game too? Yeah, so making plastics from different types of of inputs, I think, is going to be really critical. I mean, most most all plastics today are made either from, uh, you know, oil or, or gas refining or other types of petroleum-based feedstocks. And I think that there are a bunch of different types of feedstocks that might be able to to fit into um, plastics applications. It won't necessarily, you know, renewable feedstocks may not be good for every single application, but I think that there's a, a bunch of which um, renewables can have a big impact and wastes and biomass that are uh, produced in a sustainable way are really great inputs there because they're very, you know, they have a lot of waste carbon in them that can be utilized for uh, things like plastic production. And plastics inherently are different than things like like fuels. They, they often have, you know, different types of characteristics and different types of um, feedstocks that are required to make them. And so utilizing kind of the unique aspects of, of things like biomass to make these plastics, I think is sort of a natural fit. At the at the very end of life, again, on the renewable side, we're hoping to make that plastic material that's used, whether it's from biological sources or petroleum-based sources, into a really valuable feedstock for people to consider remanufacturing from. And so that'll play really well into sort of a more circular economy and a less sort of linear 
look at plastics and be able to, to really valorize that resource at end of life and hopefully have to use a lot less uh, virgin material in plastic production in the future. Oh, great. Good. And then it looks like these projects, you're working with different universities in order to um, get these done. How does that work? Yeah, so often a lot of the projects that we fund are led by universities who maybe have a certain technology that they've developed that they think is, is almost ready for industrial application. And they'll often find a partner in industry who is interested in, in kind of taking that research to the next level. And so we really take research that um, the fundamental research may be there. And so we, we take that through kind of proof of concept, um, often all the way through things like industrial piloting, where people can try to figure out if the process sort of works in the real world in the way that they thought it would. And so these these research partners are, are critical in you know, coming up with these really innovative new technologies and being able to see how they might be able to be made into a real world process. And so we're, we're thrilled to work with them and the whole project team to try to make sure that those innovations are able to, to have an impact in the real world, you know, as, sort of as soon as they can. That's that's how we see our role within EERE and the applied research offices is to kind of give those give those ideas the, the kickstart that they need to, to make it out into industry. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to watch it unfold. Yeah, really exciting. And I, I think this is like like I mentioned earlier, this is sort of the latest um, iteration of of our plastics research from uh, EERE. We've had several funding opportunities before that are already um, and the projects under those are already making great progress. And I think we're seeing a lot of, of you know, innovative solutions that are already starting to to, you know, become very interesting to to industrial folks and, and um, hopefully will make it out into the real world soon. Well, great. Well, please keep us posted on those because they, they're so promising. And then I know you've met with, like you said, at the workshop, folks who deal with the end of life of, of these products. Do you have any advice for MRF operators or recyclers in, in terms of embracing new ideas and innovation in order to, to handle what they do at the end of life? Because as you know, you know, recycling is, is a huge part of the circular system, but do you have any advice based on the meetings that you've had and the issues that they have and challenges that they have? Yeah, I mean, I think what we've heard from the the folks who are processing these materials is really that, you know, they need, they have certain requirements that they need to be able to, to do the processing that they do efficiently. And, and that's really a lot on the sort of upfront collection end and education end in terms of making sure that people are aware what types of, of plastics are recycled or recyclable in their um, local municipalities. I think from, from our point of view, we're hoping to really work with those folks to provide new techno technological solutions that may make sense for some different municipalities and may, maybe won't make sense for others, but we want those solutions to be available if the recyclers see a, a real value there and are able to, you know, put put a new system into place in their in their MRF and be able to derive value from that. And I think that that would be a, a great outcome here is, is a new technology that they were able to utilize. And then also with our redesign efforts, we want to make sure that the plastics that we're redesigning are going to be compatible with the way that things are currently done or the way that things you know maybe will be done in in the near future in material recovery facilities we we don't want to create you know a new type of plastic that is going to be really problematic for folks to handle 
in a MRF because that, then that sort of defeats the whole purpose of, of trying to make the system more efficient. And so it's really critical to work with those partners to ensure that you know, the research that we're doing um, is, is going to be uh, compatible and valuable to them at the end of the day. Definitely. Well, thank you for that, because a lot of our listeners are that exact audience. So it's great to hear that. Yeah, definitely. And then is there anything else you want to share, Jay, before I let you go about your busy day? Uh, no, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on the program. And, you know, I do think there is a lot of room for growth in technology in this space. And I, I, I'm really excited to see it play out and for, uh, you know, these projects to sort of come to fruition and, and have some new ideas out there for how plastics can be better designed for end of life from an uh, energy and an environmental perspective. So yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. This has been great. I think you shared such nuggets of wisdom and and I can't, like I said, wait to watch all of this unfold and, and see its effect on the markets. This is great. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for having me. Thank you for listening. It would mean the world if you would take a moment to rate or review this podcast. And if you share it with us, on one of our social networks, we are giving out some fun, nothing wasted podcast swag. So just tag us and see what you get. Thanks so much.